0: Welcome to the Self-Love Revolution. I'm Ashley, a mental health therapist and self-love coach, and I'm here to simplify self-love and share how it's possible for any woman. Welcome back, everyone. I have Alessa. Did I say that right? Alessa here with me. Yes, you did. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um... Can you just kind of kick us off by telling us who you are and what you do? Yes, absolutely. So what I do is wellness coaching and specifically
1: it's coaching with, um, I'm working with people who go through emotional eating. So the coaching really centers around not so much what you should eat and how you should work out, but it's, it's really more about the behavior patterns your habits, and the whole emotional aspect that is related to food. Because emotions, they play a very, very major part in all, all of our decisions, those micro decisions that we take throughout the day. And um, food and the triggers for eating are very strong and very the emotional connections are pretty important. Yeah, and uh, the way I started with this journey, uh, kind of started from my personal struggle with emotional eating. Uh, back in the years, I used to be pretty chubby teenager, chubby young adult, and when I was going through this phase, I was reading everything on diet, on health, on wellness, fitness, you name it. And at one point, I came to realization that it really doesn't matter how much information I'm consuming about what to do if I'm not addressing the root cause of my behavior. When it comes to emotional eating, because there are different reasons why people gain weight, but if it has to do with specifically emotional eating, the interesting portion is that food is almost never the problem. It's yeah. always what's behind the impulse to go and get food. What creates this trigger? And if I realize that if I do not address that that aspect of who I am, who I was at the time, I will never get anywhere. And so my next step I started educating myself on those things. Uh, then I have done some research where I actually interviewed people who have lost a substantial amount of weight. I'm talking sixty to one hundred and twenty six pounds. Wow. And not only did they lose it, but they also they were also able to retain it. So I kind of put together a body of work, interviewing these people and kind of looking for this secret recipe of how exactly they were able to create such a massive change. Because if you have been struggling with emotional eating for a long time, like it or not, it is kind of part of who you are at this moment. It doesn't mean that it's going to be who you are for the rest of time, but it is part of your identity. And so after my work, uh, with these people who were able to lose a lot of weight, after my extensive studying on this topic, uh, topic of brain, um, how those hormones and neurotransmitters work when it comes to mechanics of emotional eating, um, then I went on to obtain my coaching certification and have been working with people from all walks of life, um, who have been gaining weight either because of stress and like this obsession with what they look like or because of a really bad marriage and just a lot of sadness sometimes even depression sometimes anxiety or sometimes nothing too serious but just this this um difficulty with managing their weight
0: yeah that's awesome so important the work is so important i know I've struggled with it. I know a lot of women who have also struggled with it. So for those women who don't necessarily, maybe they aren't aware that they're emotional eating, how can they kind of start to gain that awareness? So it is a great question. And I want to clarify a very specific part.
1: Emotional eating became a very, I would say, an overused term in many ways. Because sometimes people consider themselves emotional eaters if they eat out of boredom. But that's not true. If you're bored and if you grab something to eat while you're watching TV, it doesn't make you an emotional eater. What makes you an emotional eater is when food becomes the dominant way or the the biggest way for you to address your emotional discomfort so it's it's very very specific it's not eating because you're stressed out every once in a while or because you're bored because you have some minor anxiety here and there those things are normal that's just part of being human not part of being emotional eating but if someone is in a situation where every time they're feeling this emotional discomfort they have a strong urge to get food and that is the only way they resolve it that makes people emotional eaters. And that's the difference between just being being human and having a normal day with maybe a little bit of excessive food and actually having an issue with emotional eating because it is such a dominant uh, factor in one's life.
0: Yeah, it's such an interesting... Um way to you know differentiate i think a lot of people do think of it in terms of like boredom and stress and things like that so that's that's an awesome way to differentiate it
1: yeah and of course boredom and stress are part of it but they alone do not mean that somebody's an emotional eater so there have to be those additional components and um As you asked me how to better develop this awareness, it really comes down to notice what is it that leads you to have food? Is it just boredom or is it like an emergency situation where you are so stressed out and you go to the fridge right away without thinking, without even noticing that you do it until after you have done it?
0: How how do you think that, um, obviously, we talk a lot about self-love. <laughs> the podcast is about self-love. So how do you think that self-love relates to emotional eating? Oh, my goodness. It is an amazing
1: question. And I would say it is a very, very big part of it. So to answer this question, I'm actually going to go back to what I said earlier when I said that Struggles with emotional eating almost always have nothing to do with food. There is always an underlying cause. And that cause is attached to our identity. It can be an insecurity. It can be a certain belief that we took upon and made it ours. Um, For example... I was working with a client who who had a very bad marriage. And as we were discussing the root cause for her emotional eating, she realized that she gained all this weight as a way of protecting herself. So it's like her body was just storing everything because it's in a fight or flight response. And it was protecting itself. And how is it related to self-love? Well, because as part of this protection, the big factors were lack of worthiness, lack of feeling valued, just thinking, this is all I deserve. This is all I got. Um, Another example, another client gained weight after she developed a belief that nothing should come easy. And if there is no struggle behind something, then it's not worth it. So she gained so much weight that she was spending her days in pain from arthritis and difficulty breathing and a lot of those things that kind of come with obesity. And at one point, she realized that she has this belief. It's like she is asking to feel pain so that she feels worthy of whatever she is accomplishing. And she was actually accomplishing a lot. She's an insanely capable individual, one of the most inspiring people I have ever worked with, uh, intelligent doctor, PhD. Um, so just amazing, amazing human being. But there was this thought, this belief. She adapted at some point of success is worth nothing unless... She had to overcome tremendous struggles. So the aspect of self-love, one way to look at it is to ask yourself a couple of questions. How do you perceive yourself? And how do you connect with yourself? And it's really small things. When you wake up and go to the bathroom mirror first thing in the morning, What is it that you see? What is it that you notice? And what is your internal self-talk as you're looking at yourself in the mirror? If you make a mistake, and we're all humans, so mistakes is part of our existence, but how do you treat yourself when you make that mistake? How critical are you on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most? Because all of this, this internal talk is exactly what leads into the next decision you're going to make. And if it's something that stresses you out, your brain will look for ways to relieve that stress. And then if the only way brain knows to relieve that stress is food... In other ways, this instant search of dopamine because food is the quickest way for our brain to get pleasure, literally. Takes one bite, pleasure. So it, it is a very, very, very big aspect. And a lot of my work um, is around reframing those self-perception, really digging deep, into what's going on behind the scenes and first creating awareness because sometimes you may not even know what's really driving this uh this behavior and then restructuring the way you go about your day the way you talk to yourself the way you choose to do self-care the way you choose to make time for yourself, even when you don't have time. Yeah. But those small choices that you do for yourself because you are phenomenal and you deserve it.
0: Yeah. Do you find that that um, lack of feeling worthy is at the core a lot of a lot of the problems? It's, I would say, it's a core of 99 problems.
1: I remember I was talking to somebody and they asked me, um, to what extent are limiting beliefs affecting your niche of work? And my response was that in what I do, limiting beliefs are the only reason why this niche even exists. And I am not worthy. It's, it's a very, very strong statement. And I think that even as I'm saying this out loud, most of listeners feel something inside because most of us have gone through this or are still going through it. And to be really honest, I don't think most, I don't think we will ever Get to like one hundred percent point where we say we are absolutely worthy. It is always a process. sometimes we will on some days, some periods of times, sometimes it will drop back down a little bit, but it is always a process, and that's okay because that's us being who we are and creating who we want to be, and it's part of this part of our journey, really but it is. It, it, affects, uh, it affects a lot of things. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So um, what are some things that these, I specifically work with women, so mm-hmm. these women can do to, you know, overcome or prevent emotional eating? well i don't
1: think i don't know about preventing emotional eating because if it's not there then i wouldn't worry about it um it's simply because you don't want to bring attention to something that you don't want um so i i wouldn't i wouldn't really talk about preventative measures um i mean in any case self care and self awareness and intentionality are the three building blocks of, of your perception of how you perceive yourself. And those building blocks will affect all other decisions in your life, including ways of how you cope with stress, be it emotional eating, another addiction, or something else. Uh, but to answer the first part of your question in terms of what can women do uh, to address it, if this is something that they experience, Uh, the first step as cliche as it sounds is really awareness and it's not really awareness and it's so first of all it's awareness about emotional eating but it's also awareness of what happens before emotional eating starts it can be events it can be emotions it can be discomfort in your body some kind of tension and interestingly enough body is the thing that we tend to ignore the most. I have worked with women where I would ask them, okay, what do you feel in your body when this this is happening? And a lot of them don't even know. They're like, oh, my body. I never thought of it that way. And when we are stuck in um, some mental labyrinth as i call it sometimes when there's a lot of stress a lot of anxiety and you need to relieve that stress one of the most helpful things is to really drop into your body to so just sit with yourself non-judgmentally as a neutral observer and notice what's going on how do you breathe how do you feel? your muscles where is tension is there pain is there discomfort is it on the other end of the spectrum, is it something good that you're currently experiencing? What is going on physically? So it's important to create awareness on multiple levels. Thoughts, emotions, physicality. Um, the second portion, and I can probably share this uh, just as an example of what can be done. So let's say there is a habit loop. Let's say action. So action A happens, for example, somebody gets stressed out, and then action B follows. They go to the fridge. So let's call it a habit loop. And then another stress, and then another trip to the fridge, and on and on and on. So it's it's like a cycle that keeps on going. So one way to break this loop, and from A to B to create a point C, is to kind of intervene into that cycle. And what do I mean by that? Point A happened, stress occurred. Point B happened, you went to the fridge. As soon as you are done with your trip to the fridge, and by the way, you went there, you did not stop yourself from going there because it's part of this habit loop. But as soon as you're done, immediately after you're done, while those neurons that are part of this habit loop, are still firing, and still triggering, you add another action that is positive. It has to be very simple, and it has to be very positive. For example, get a glass of water, or do a quick walk to the mailbox if you're home or something. So simple, feasible, something that will be possible to do under any circumstances. So, you have a trigger, you have a negative habit, and now you added a positive habit to it. What this does, this intervention into this cycle of, of the, this loop, what it does is that it confuses your brain a little bit. Because now, instead of giving your brain what it expects, the relief that it's used to, there is a new factor, a weight. And that's how the Brain, that's how reprogramming starts happening little by little when a pattern is intercepted and your brain is faced with new facts, with new information. And again, it's not going to be an overnight change, just like emotional eating did not happen overnight, but it is a very good first step for the brain to start rewiring itself. And maybe next, maybe in three weeks after doing this, you will go straight to get a glass of water and you will skip the fridge altogether because yeah. it will be part
0: of that pattern. Does
1: that make sense?
0: So I just want to kind of clarify, the does the the water come before the fridge or after the fridge? Immediately after. Okay.
1: So you don't stop yourself from going to the fridge. You execute this habit, but immediately as you like put the spoon in your mouth or whatever you were going for. So while those neurons are
0: still triggering this action, then you go for water. Okay. So it's A, B, C. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. That's so interesting. It's crazy how we can kind of rewire the brain. I mean,. It's the only thing that gives us hope, right?
1: (laughs) Otherwise, we would not be able to change. Um, Another way to look at this loop, because I understand that I'm trying to express things verbally and not visually where I can actually draw it out. But imagine if you're listening to somebody playing piano and they hit this very, very ugly note. Imagine if after hitting this note... They hit another note right after, which mitigates the first note and makes the sound a lot more pleasant.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: That's another way to explain for uh, maybe (laughs) auditory audience.
0: Yeah. Do you find that um, with this cycle, do your clients experience a lot of guilt with it? of course
1: uh guilt shame and usually guilt and shame are part of this uh cycle for for years sometimes for decades um there is a lot of shame about what they're doing how they're coping with their stress um sometimes they know what they're doing why they're doing it But it's not enough to actually create a change and there is a lot of shame a lot of shame for themselves a lot of shame for in front of their family members um and unfortunately shame is what creates this vicious cycle because the more shame and therefore stress we feel the more we're going to be looking for relief from that stress so that's why the approach specifically to emotional eating has to be holistic. It's not about the diet you're going to choose. It's not about the root cause you're going to write down in journal on it every day. Will these things help? Absolutely. But the diet should be one of the last aspects to address. The first aspects, aspects to address Is how you are being with yourself, and that includes self talk, self love, feelings like shame or guilt. It's about transforming how you look at food, how you look at yourself in relation to food. And this reframing, this restructuring needs to happen before committing to. Another diet yeah that is not is gonna be exactly another diet.
0: Right. Yeah. Are there any um books or podcasts that you recommend um for this area? Um yes, so for the book, um
1: I would recommend the book of Dr. Nicole Depera. Uh, you might be familiar with her. She goes by the nickname holistic psychologist, and the book is called *The Work*. This book has nothing to do with diets or eating, but it has to do, ev- but it has everything to do with understanding yourself and working through those things that cause us to be who we are. It's it's a fantastic book, and she's a fantastic psychologist. Uh, so, Dr. Nicole Pera, *The Work*. Um, if you are, if someone is looking about like specifically eating related books, um, one of my go-to is by Dr. Jason Fan called Obesity Code. Uh, that book is pretty fantastic because it breaks down a lot of the stigma we have around food and what calories mean. Because he spends a lot of time explaining that it's not so much about calories, it's about hormones. Because hormones is what dictates where those calories go. So regardless of how somebody adjusts their calories, if they don't address hormones read the stress, it's all going to go to storage if they're consuming very, very little calories. So that's a really good book uh, to kind of break this old stigma of what causes people to be overweight. Um, In terms of podcasts, there are many, of course. Um, Some of the podcasts that I enjoy are the ones that talk about emotional eating. Uh, One of them is called Diet Culture Rebels. Uh, And that just gives you freedom, basically to free yourself from this topic of, oh my goodness, how can I lose weight? It just helps you to slightly reframe your perspective. Um, personally, one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis, uh, it's a little bit more specific, So, but some members of your audience may be fascinated by it as well, is by Dr. Andrew Huberman. He is uh, a neurobiologist and he is amazing at explaining brain. Uh, so those just that that is um extremely fascinating you always walk away with so much information so those things is uh, something that i would recommend and
0: something that i enjoy listening to personally oh sounds so interesting i have definitely heard of the first one um the second one obesity code i'm gonna have to check that out that sounds really interesting yeah, he's it's, it's really good with just breaking it down. And
1: most imp- when it comes to anything to do with food, anything to do with diets, it's very important to break the stigma of how a lot of people look at it. Calories yeah. in, calories out. Yeah. Because there's a lot more to it. We as human beings are a lot more complex than that. And that is an amazing uh, first step written by a doctor. Um, to educate yourself on what's actually
0: happening yeah yeah well thank you so much for what you shared um this has been amazing um thank you so much for all the information and the tools um that you've shared no uh, it's been my pleasure thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share this with your
1: listeners uh it's been a pleasure and thank you so much
0: thanks for listening to the self-love revolution podcast. Make sure you subscribe and visit self for more resources. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for joining me, Ashley, in this episode of the self-love revolution podcast. I'll see you next time.